0: Good morning! Wrestling Inc. Ha, ha, ha. Happy New Year's Eve to you as well. Welcome to this very special episode, The Best of the Winkly 2019, Part 1. I am your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, and what a 2019 it has been. Ours. Hundreds of hours of pro wrestling podcasting, punditry regularly from myself, Michael Weissman, and Justin Labar. And of course, all the dozens, maybe more than 100, probably more than 100, more than 100 interviews that we did here this past year on the Winkly for you. Bringing you the best names from the world of professional wrestling, WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, MLW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and many, many More so, what we're going to be doing here over the next three days, our three holiday episodes, we are going to be bringing you some of the best, most notable interviews that we did here on the Winkley in 2019. And today, to kick it off this part one episode, we are going to be saying thank you. We're going to be paying tribute, and we're going to be filling your ear holes with AEW. Now, it has been no surprise or secret, I should say, that professional wrestling has uh, traditionally been a little walled off to the press. Always harder to get access. To those talents. Well, I'm very happy to say that in 2019, a big gift that AEW gave to pro wrestling was also more access to their talent to sites like Wrestling Inc. and other pro wrestling, larger pro wrestling media outlets. So today, it's going to be all AEW interviews. We're doing five interviews on every episode this week. I know I promised four last week, but we had so many to choose from, we decided to do five instead. So today, you're going to hear in order, and I'm going to tell you, by the way, what date. I recorded these interviews, so you have an idea of the context of when this uh, when these interviews were recorded. The first interview you're going to hear, this was just a little over a month and a half ago. This is from October 3rd. It's with, you know, AEW president Tony Khan. Right after Tony, you're going to hear my interview from back from on February 22nd, very early in the year, with Cody Rhodes. After that, we're going to hop ahead to May 22nd, where you're going to hear from Dustin Rhodes, June 6th, MJF, and of course, on November 8th, The video, the interview that I did that went viral, probably the viraliest of all the interviews we did in 2019, Orange Cassidy. Yes, the man himself. So all AEW interviews here today on The Winkly. Thank you so much for your patronage. Thank you for all your support. I'll be back at the end of the show with a little bit more to say. But here he is right now, AEW President Tony Khan. My guest at this time is the president of All Elite Wrestling. It is Tony Khan. Tony, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today.
1: It's my pleasure, Nick. Uh, it's really my pleasure to come talk to you because I, I've always really appreciated uh, how much you, you know, you've know. you given us a chance. Um, when we started AEW, you, know, uh, you gave us a chance from the beginning. You came to the shows and came to the scrums and yeah. gave us a chance uh, to tell people about what we're doing, and I've always really appreciated that, so I wanted to come back and talk to you
0: it's symbiotic here tony right like i i am in the business of covering the biggest coolest things in wrestling i like to try to be on the cutting edge you are in the business of creating the biggest coolest things in pro wrestling so it worked out well here man and i will say from my perspective uh it's been a really fun ride with you guys traditionally the wrestling press uh has been shut out by major promotions a little bit more that's changing here that has changed here in the last year or so I think you guys are a big part of that, and a- I've been to every AEW public event except for the Vegas ticket release. We sent somebody else who was local, but I've been to literally everything else, Tony. I've seen every single show and you've I- done live. That's crazy to me. I'll write a book someday about it. That's why when uh,
1: that again, that's why when uh, you know you'd reach out and ask if I would do this, I absolutely would have said I would be happy to because cool. I really appreciated how much you know you supported us and given us a chance. Because, Appreciate it. You know, I think you're you're an honest guy, and if you. If you, if you thought the shows weren't good, I think you would have said so. But I think they've been very good, and you've, you've been coming, and keep coming back and checking them out. I well,
0: appreciate it. I like I like uh, testing your temerity, Tony. You put yourself so out there. I like to try to throw some hard questions at you from time to time. But you're great, and I really appreciate it. I, I do appreciate it. Um, well, let's get to it here, man. Dude, And it's just been 24 hours. Not even 24 hours. It's been like five hours, and I had to add more AEW questions to my list here for you. We'll start off with the big one this morning. Bash at the beach, man. You guys are bringing it back. AWS is with the Jericho Cruise. How did this come about? How were you guys able to get the Bash at the Beach moniker for this event? Cody went on, like, a trademark binge one night, and he texted me the next day, and he was like, Conrad and I
1: were up all night trademarking stuff. <laughs> I was like, what? Okay. And uh, one of the things that came out of this was Bash at the Beach, lo, lo and behold. And uh, they- Cody got the trademark for Bash at the Beach. And uh, – so when he said that, we, we all thought like, well, is there a way we can all use this at some point? And he was, he obviously would be happy for us to use it, promote a show and, and, uh, m- you know, make a bash the beach, a big event for us. And, uh, something that you'd associate with AEW specifically. And, uh, this unique idea we had was to go, uh, down to Miami in January, uh, with, you know, and you're in Chicago. And yeah. as we both know, as guys that have lived in Chicago or, or around Chicago, it can be, uh, very uh, cold this time of year and then through the winter and thought it would be like a really fun thing to do if we made a bash at the beach theme in January. And so uh, we'll be doing uh, a kind of a two part bash at the beach uh, in January on dynamite. And uh, on the 15th, you'll see us in Miami and then it's going to carry over and uh, onto the 22nd. And, and that special is also going to include the matches from uh, Chris Jericho's cruise that week.
0: Wow, that's insane, man. So wait, so WWE, everybody's saying they thought that they would own this copyright or trademark here because they got all the WCW stuff. Was it just dormant and, and Cody just happened to just... Yeah, yeah, him? it hadn't been used. I think
1: it had lapsed, is my understanding.
0: Wow, that's wild. That's very serendipitous for you all. That's cool. Yeah,
1: I think there had been some other uh, precedent for that because I think, like, you know, MLW had used, like, war games. Sure. And I think it had gotten bought back. I believe some other, you know, old uh, trademarks from the time it had lapsed and, and, and been used. And in this case, uh, one of the great ones, you know, bash the beach. And, uh, it's again, want to make it something that's associated with us. And it, uh, this is our, uh, Bash to Beach, JW Bash to beach. And, uh, what we do in Miami and on the Chris Jericho cruise ship, I think it's going to be really, really fun stuff. And, uh, we got some really cool stuff planned. Well, so that it comes.
0: it's cool too that you guys have Bash at the Beach now because you know I was at Fighter Fest. Obviously, as I've said, I've been to everything, and you know that was in Daytona Beach, where the NWO was formed—the most probably the most iconic Bash at the Beach moment of all time. I mean, I don't know. I just I think it's very cool to know that you guys, Cardi, already were there. You're you're stringing it along here with the Bash at the Beach stuff, I guess, so to speak.
1: <laughs> yeah and and fight i'm well i'm glad and i appreciated you coming to fighter fest thank you again for, for coming and uh yeah, no problem i thought fighter fest was, was awesome and uh and uh you know certainly daytona is another great market for us and uh you know i'm happy to get down there again soon and uh you know you, you've been so great about coming to all the shows Nick. Like well, i said, I appreciate it and did, i wanted to sit down
0: and, it was you know and it's cool i mean for you know i i thought it was cool being there because I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm thinking back to when I was a kid and I'm like, wow, right there—that's where Hulk Hogan turned. That's where the NWA NWO formed. How how was the feel of that show for you? What was it like being in that venue? You know what's crazy is I'm not gonna lie
1: to you. Like it was, certainly was uh looming large oak for me backstage. Because um, I would ask Keith, like you know, my office was this like Eric's office? Like was that you know where the Bucks and Kenny are changing? Was that was that like where i He's like trying to figure out like. Who was where, like whose office was
0: whose? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> Were you sitting at Eric's office or
2: no?
1: I never I don't never got a clear answer who who had whose office, and to
0: be honest. I don't
1: think if remembered <laughs> who was where, but something you to go back was figure out uh, who's using whose office? and <laughs> stuff. <laughs>
0: wow, that's uh that's hilarious. Uh well the other thing, uh this happened like an hour ago, Tony. I'm sure you know about it because you have social media and you use it. Uh CM Punk tagged you and Vince in the same tweet. Uh, Obviously, like, I think the culmination of CM Punk, AEW, WWE chatter came to a head this past week. But what do you think of him kind of cherry on the top of this whole situation tagging you and Vince? You know, what's funny is I've never once brought him up. I've never
1: once brought his name up to to bring it into the conversation. But as you know, because you're always at the scrum, you know, you've seen interviews people have done with me. Whenever I get asked the question, you know, I try to, be good about answering questions, people, especially when people travel to go to the scrums and stuff. And, uh, I've always made it really clear that like, you know, i had conversations with him and, uh, but you know, never tried to lead anybody on to think that he would be doing anything with us or whatever. And, uh, I don't, you know, I, I haven't talked to him in a long time. Uh, but, uh, I wish him the best. I'm not sure why he tagged me, but if he's t- talking about wrestling, I think it would be hard to talk about all the great things happening in wrestling without, uh, talking about what we're doing at AEW. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I always got the sense he felt like uh, we would, like, bring him up. And it's like, well, you know, if you actually, like, watch the inter- I'm Not that I he's going to take the time to watch him, because he's getting tagged in that stuff, too. Not by me, but by all the people asking the questions. By me? You know? He's and, getting tagged by me. You, so, and to be well, bad, not you, Nick, which no. is why I like you. I will always go, I do <laughs> yours. But, like, I'd walk into a scrum. And I'd just get done with this great show, and the first thing somebody would ask me is about him. (laughs) Dude, that was
0: me, Tony! That was me! After All Out, I asked it to you. It wasn't the first question I asked, but... Oh, now I really regret. Thank you. I really regret. No, I'm not going to sit here. I'm not not going to bullshit (laughs) you, Tony. I'm going to jump on the grenade here. But I'll say the reason I asked you, first of all, is it does get... uh, We have a lot of attention. A lot of people ask... They want to know that about you, but also because Dave Meltzer was standing over my shoulder and I'll never forget looking at you and going, Dave, and I pointed at him, said that you were, uh, that Punk was on the top of your list, and he got a little flustered, and then you gave me your oh, quick response. Okay, spin. okay, that, well, that was a valid,
1: well, that okay, now that is not the same time I'm talking about where it was like literally the first question. Okay. Because if you remember one of those, I walked in, it was like the first thing somebody asked me, and like, again, I would really, and here we are, I'd much rather talk about Dynamite than talk about this.
0: Okay, gotcha. But,
1: uh, you know, uh, but, but I what I will say about that is, like, you were not the first person I talked to, and I corrected that when I, you know, with Dave sure. was standing there, he's one of the first people on a list of people I wanted to talk to, but yeah. Um, you know, the thing, yeah, anyway, so <laughs> this is, this is how we got here with that. Right. Like I get asked about it a lot. Sure. Uh, I try to answer it, but it's not something I brought up and I think you got the impression, but you know, sure. we wanted to talk about him and clearly as you can tell i really don't all
0: right um, <laughs> i did my part i brought it up all right uh i want have done
1: you've definitely done your part for the, <laughs> there were for two the Chicago Wrestling th-
0: there were two two stories the past five hours bash the beach the punk tweet i got those out of the way i get back to the other questions i wrote here for you today um okay so when did you go to your first indie show tony what was that experience like for you
3: uh what what kind of constitutes an in indie is ECW in indie? Or was ECW
1: was in 1996 with ECW constituting an indie?
0: Um, I mean, it'd be a high end. It'd be like House of Glory. Or not House of Glory, House of Hardcore. Yeah, I'd be a big indie. So, sure, we'll count ECW.
1: Okay, yeah, then that was it. Uh, the first indie show I we went to was the Spot Show the night before The Doctor was in. Uh, ECW was in the Lulu Temple. Uh, and then I believe that would have been August 2nd of 1996. And the main event was Chris Jericho versus Sabu. And that was Chris's second to last match in ECW, Man. and then so the second indie show I would have attended would have been uh, the ECW Arena show, uh, the Doctor's In, which was Chris's last show in ECW versus Two Cold Scorpio, and the main event was the Sabu versus Rob Van Dam stretcher match. Man, so you're, uh,
0: you're an old school Jericho fan then? That's crazy, man. Yeah,
1: yeah. With well, you, if you, I did a podcast with Chris right around the time we started. It was right, right around right. the uh, Vegas. It was actually the night of the Vegas Ticket on Sale party, which is the only event you have not been to. Uh, so, like, to be fair, like, I don't know. There are people, like, in the company that don't have your attendance record. Uh, so, like, uh, it's very impressive. But anyway, that <laughs> night, Thank you. Uh, we, we got together and did a podcast, and we talked about it a lot. I, mean, I really am an old-school fan of Chris. And, yeah. Uh, dating back before ECW, uh, the match he had on July 7th of 1995 with Ultimo Dragon in, in War, Wrestle and Romance, uh, that ultimate Dragon match was like one of my favorites. And then it turned out for Chris, it changed his life too. It opened so many doors for him. He said that tape got him his jobs in ECW and WCW.
0: Man. Okay. Now my, my follow-up question to this would be, now obviously you love pro wrestling, but I read here you got your bachelor of science in finance, which is not really like a theatrical or entertainment degree per se. So like, even though you love yeah, wrestling, if you're doing the business case for starting a wrestling company, it's a really good deal. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I get that. <laughs> Look, dude, you the dollars yeah. make sense. That's because you've your finance degree. But as the, like the hippie, because like I like to think I'm good with money. But you know, whatever. Um, you know, the hippie in me, the, the entertainer in me, is wondering. You know, I want to pick your brain a little bit about. Did you have any theatrical or entertainment background uh, before getting into the launch of putting together your own wrestling promotion?
3: Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I'm a partner. Um, you know, I'm one of, I'm a partner in activist artist management in Los Angeles, which is, we, uh, manage, uh, you know, musicians and uh, entertainers and entertainment companies. Um, my partner, Bernie Cahill, uh, is managed, yeah, manages the Grateful Dead, uh, the Dead and Company, Dwight Yoakam, the Lumineers, Pen Wantanabe, David Allen Greer, and a lot of, Great musicians and actors, yeah. and um, so we're, we're partners in that company. I'm not hands-on representing the talent, uh, but I am partner in a major entertainment company in L.A. Okay, and uh, so before uh, launching AEW, that's—I mean, that is—that's one of the reasons AEW got launched. You know, activists became uh, my partners in this, and uh, Bernie is the one who introduced me to Kevin Riley in the first place uh kevin riley is the president of tnt tbs and warner media gotcha. and one of the most important people in in the world of media right now and years ago i first met kevin with bernie and i can't make this up but it was uh, halloween 2016 and i was dressed as macho man randy savage and uh that's where i first met kevin and then i the second time i hung out with kevin was halloween 2017 and I wore the costume at And He was like, You're the same costume twice in a row and I was like, Yeah. You know, I only get to do it once a year. So uh but uh and um then uh next time I really uh was was in a position to really spend a lot of time with Kevin, we were at a party together with Bernie in April of twenty eighteen. And uh again, you know, this it's cool, a lot of things came together at the same time. This was before all in uh, you know, it'd been announced to anybody. I had no idea the guys were going to do that. I didn't know any of those guys real well. Uh, and uh, things, you know, moved very quickly for me. And uh, Man, I yeah. really, really uh, was very, very uh, excited at this party. I just got Kevin kind of on the hook. And, you know, next thing I know, we're having this very long conversation about mm-hmm. what it would take and uh, that it is possible to start a wrestling mm-hmm. league that would be you know, nationally recognized, internationally recognized, and, uh, could quickly grow a huge base of fans. Yeah. And Kevin seemed really interested in this, but you know, uh, a little suspicious,
2: <laughs> like, you know,
1: it just sounds too good to be true. Yeah. And so for the next year or so, he really put me through the ringer. And hmm. certainly I didn't lean on the friendship and, uh, I had to go from all the way to the bottom, back to the top. And he had me go through with all of his people and, work with all the different departments and finance and programming and legal. And we've been working through for, you know, so long to get to this point, you know, yeah. and over a year before it got there,
0: man, that's crazy. And so with the, cre- talk to me a little bit about the creative process. I know that you say that it's kind of art by committee here. You know, is there a war room when you guys get there for dynamite or that you go to each day? You say, I've got, no, this we have a-
1: no, we have a great production meeting. It's the best production meeting I've heard in wrestling okay. uh, on Tuesday nights. And, uh, you know, uh, at the front you have myself and the Unbox and Cody and Kenny Omega. And, uh, you know, we're the kind of the lead, uh, of the creative myself is the president and them is the executive vice president. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I have the final say on everything. <laughs> um, and I'm accountable for everything that we do, uh, both on screen and off. And, uh, that's how it goes.
0: So, how frustrating is it for you being in that role? And I'm sure you're. I mean, of course, you got Kenny in the box and, and uh, Cody in your ear, giving you ideas. frustrating. I'm in the most it's the most fun job I've ever had. Well, life. but I'm just saying, like, of course, so you're gonna fun. have you're gonna have other talents that come to you wanting to get TV time, coming to you with ideas and pitches, and you can't obviously fit everything into every show. That's
1: like, I mean, it's like, so I, I've, so I've been in sports my whole life. You know, before uh, we owned an NFL team, I coached uh, high school basketball. And whether it's high school basketball or the National Football League or, you know, English football with Fulham. um, You know, I've dealt with uh, rosters and you manage a roster and you have to deal with lots of things. You know, there's there's more problems than just uh, playing time or salaries, like just real life stuff. You know, people have family issues or medical problems. And uh, so I'm uniquely positioned. Uh, to run this
2: league,
0: how how different is it working with uh, professional wrestlers as opposed to other athletes and other sports that you work in?
2: It is it,
0: well. First of all, I
2: am
1: a wrestling person. I speak the language of a wrestling person, and uh, that makes it very easy for me, and I think for everyone else here. Because at at my heart, I love wrestling more than anything else. Yeah. Um, people ask me if I get nervous for these, and I think I told you know you were in scrum when I think I've answered this and said I get a lot more nervous before a Jaguars game or a Fulham game, sure. frankly. Uh, do I, But I get more excited and I have more fun at AEW than I do at anything else. Huh. Um, there have been nervous moments, absolutely, uh, as we've gone on. But, you know, pregame jitters and stuff like that, I think it's really just more uh, fun. And the shows are fun. We have fun doing them, and it, it makes them fun to watch. And uh, we don't just have fun putting them on. We have fun putting them together. And uh, I love that process. When you ask about it, 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 that's really special to me too. I just enjoy everything about being in the wrestling business.
0: Well, talking about some something that's fun to put together, uh, I want to chat real quickly about the unsanctioned lights out match between Moxley and Omega. Uh, I loved it. I, you know, I, I here's the thing, Tony. I loved the match, and I'm you know I grew up a big fan of Mick Foley, reading about the Kawasaki Dream all that other type stuff, this 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 genre does not b- bother me, right? I watched it. I thought it was a very good match. I thought it was very fun. It was very different. Um, but And, you know, we did the scrum, and it, it brought up, and you talked about it a bit. But, man, the 48, 72 hours after that, this thing became, like, the centerpiece of, like, a much bigger discussion about brutality and pro wrestling and what is acceptable. Were you surprised that this particular match caused that level of interest and that kind of discussion?
1: No, I expected it. I expected it. And that's why we put this
0: match on in pay per view
1: never do anything like this on TV. And, and the, the people at TNT, our friends at TNT, the folks at TNT are very familiar with this. They understand what we're trying to do here, what we are doing here, uh, which is, you know, putting hardcore matches uh, sometimes in the pay-per-view main events. Not every pay-per-view needs to have it. But, if the, you know, if there's going to be uh, this kind of a big issue and uh, there's going to be two wrestlers that want to settle it, uh, we're not going to sanction it. We're going to turn the lights off and uh, turn a blind eye to the little thing and and uh, not be liable or you know for what occurs in the ring is kind of the the way those matches are laid out and the story of that. I think it's a very logical thing and uh, you know I'm not surprised uh, people were kind of shocked or amazed by the match because it was supposed to be a shocking and amazing match and I'm glad you loved it. I think most people did love it. Yeah, uh, it's gotten. A huge amount of interest, and uh, it's done exactly what we wanted it to do, which is, you know, really, like, grow interest in us and start a conversation, and, uh, you know, to me, uh, I-, I loved it. I absolutely loved it, and uh, I felt great about everything we were doing before we did it, and I felt great about it all after it came
0: off. And a lot of people, uh, a lot of pundits, I guess, when you're know, looking at the viewership, you know, noted that this past week on Wednesday night, you guys saw a pretty significant little uh, raise in viewership for the show. Some people said the discussion around this, probably helped with that but for you i mean are you running to check the viewership every thursday are you refreshing show buzz daily i mean how or do you care do you not care
1: no i look forward to getting the numbers in my inbox on thursday it's a very fun part of it i think it's a throwback and it's something i predicted was going to be a huge part of this and it wouldn't have been possible without starting AEW uh, is this interest in the wrestling and not just one company in wrestling and and, you know, being forced to follow only one company and, and uh, being at the, at the mercy of that. Um, really, what we've done is create a market. And uh, that was something I explained to Kevin and those guys from the beginning. And I think there were some wrestling fans in the room that understood, but to the people that hadn't been there during the Monday Night Wars and hadn't been around when WWF and WCW and ECW and all the companies were thriving and it was a great time to be a wrestling fan, and it was a great time to be a wrestler and, you know, it was a great time to be in the wrestling business. Yeah. And I think we brought, we brought that back. And uh, that's one of the great things that's happened this year since we've launched. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really happy about it. And I think uh, for us, you know, the story of uh, the competition that, you know, everybody wants to see it as a competition. I, I for, for me, I don't, Run out to check the ratings. I just want to do the best show we can do week to week, and if you know we're happy with it and we think we're putting on a good show, and we really do think we're putting on a good show, and if TNT's happy with it and they think we're putting on a good show, and they they do, and and the numbers are something they're happy with and they're thrilled with numbers, then you know, I'm very happy despite what anybody else is doing. But one thing I did predict is that the competition uh, would captivate people and would become the biggest story in wrestling, and it definitely has.
0: All right, last question, Tony. I know I'm right at my time here. Um, You're good, bro. You're good. Thank you, brother. All right, last question. The captivating man. This past Wednesday night, MJF, Jericho, lightsaber duel on the microphones. It was really something special, I thought, to watch. Uh, were you expecting it to go that well, I guess? And what do you think What do you think we can expect here from off-the-chain, fully-heal MJF? I... Uh...
1: I was expecting it to go that well, yeah. I think when you ever you get, you know, Chris Jericho and MJF, two of the best talkers in wrestling in twenty nineteen and two of the best talkers in wrestling in a long time and Chris is one of the all time greats and Max I think is clearly the best guy to come along in you know, many years, if not a decade or more. And uh, to put them in a situation where they were out there together, you know, they did such an amazing job with it. I think what those guys and Cody have done, I mean, uh Certainly, it was a story that captivated people, again, using that word. Uh, For six weeks, we went to the pay-per-view. It shocked people. And then, you know, as you said, we did a really good number this past Wednesday. And I think we'll do another good number because people really want to see where this is going. People are devastated that MJF would do that to Cody. And, uh, you know, at the same time, I think a lot of people kind of saw it coming, frankly, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and, uh, I kind of
0: I, I kinda thought Cody. I kind of thought too. I kind of thought Cody was going to turn on MJF. I kind of thought he was going to be the one to go low. So I was a little surprised. One of that. the great moments. Wasn't it a great moment? And those guys did such a great job laying out a great moment. Uh,
1: you know, uh, putting that meat on the bone that we put together. Yeah. And uh, they. Well, that was a great moment at the end because it could have gone either way,
0: and that's what made it so special. Yeah, man. Uh, all right. I'll wrap it there. Tony, I hope to chat with you again. Of course, I'll, pr- I'll see you in the next scrum, you know, uh, so yeah. I'll be there. You know, it's, it's interesting, too. I, d- I meant to bring this up earlier, but uh, I'm, I'm very good friends with and uh, I read his book with Bill Apter. And I really like the classic way that pro wrestling got to be covered. And, uh, you know, it was a mission for me to try to get to do that with this because I didn't really see anybody else doing it. So I wanted to just thank you again for the transparency you guys have allowed me. Uh, to get to cover the business, how I feel like it should be covered. Because, you know, I spend a lot of time on the Indies here in Chicago and stuff, and this ain't my first rodeo. So to be able to get to bring some perspective to it and bring to the fans, I think, you know, what you're looking for as well, which is a, a fun conversation, a fun product. It's it's really meant a lot, Tony. I do appreciate it.
1: Well, you're a young guy, and I'm a young guy, and we'll be doing this a very long time. But, yes. you know, in their lifetimes, it meant a lot to me to be able to do these and to see Bill After and George Napolitano and oh, talk to those guys. Dude, George.
0: I love George. Sorry.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's great. I mean, and George and Stu, uh, just like you said, we grew up uh, on their coverage of wrestling. And then, uh, when I, you know, turned 12, then I started to follow Dave Meltzer more and Wade Keller and, mm-hmm. and read, read those sheets and follow news online a little bit differently than, than I had growing up in the magazines. And, uh, it's a great throwback and it's great to be able to bring all those people, uh, together in one place, except for Wade Keller. Cause he never shows up for me. Uh, but but uh, you know, in all seriousness, I really uh, enjoyed uh, talking to you, man, and uh, cool. you know, look forward to seeing you at the Scrum and uh, anytime we're in Chicago.
0: At this time, it is my pleasure to introduce one of the executive vice presidents of AEW. It is the one and only Cody Rhodes. Cody, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here on the Winkly. Thanks, man. I'm I'm, I'm glad to do it. I am glad to do it. I appreciate that. Now, before we get into all the AEW talk, I want to ask you, first of all, you know, uh, let's get the injury update. How are you doing? How is recovery going from surgery for you right now?
2: So the knee is uh, weight-bearing, you know, then it was weight-bearing right after surgery. I had a meniscal scope where they just dig out the cartilage. So that's the pain and the swelling and the recovery is based on how much digging they did in there, which they did a lot because there was a, a little more damage than they anticipated. But uh, I don't have to wrestle until May. So I could. this couldn't have happened. This is the first time I've ever gone under the knife. So I, I, I'm, I'm lucky I have this time. I I don't like the crutches they gave me, and I fell at the office yesterday. So mm. I, I've been humbled by my own body. I've been humbled. Oh. but uh, But it's going well.
0: So what you guys have, so your offices, are you based out of Jacksonville? Is there like a wrestling office that you go to each day?
2: So my office is, uh, is in Atlanta. Um, uh, but the office, uh, for all elite wrestling is still TBD Um, because we don't know where, you know, there, it, there may never be one because the four executive vice presidents are, are all over the place. And, and 2019, you may not need. Everyone to be in the same room. We we talk every day. Um, but yeah, my office is uh is in Atlanta here, not far from where I live. So it's it's kind of I guess it's kind of the makeshift current AEW office actually because that's the
0: only business that gets done in there. So yeah, maybe they'll just maybe they'll just adopt my place. Uh, I mean, it's a good idea. Let them come to you, Cody. Right? That's always a good attitude. Um, you know, well, you... it's
3: very
2: it's a very nice place. So I do encourage them. You know, like that's where. Uh, me and the AEW coordinator, Mike, that's where all the Road to Double or Nothing uh, videos are filmed.
0: And, uh, you know, so I encourage them to come to me. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, let's talk about Double or Nothing here real quick. You guys sold out in, like, four minutes after all the pre-sales were done. You guys are, like, setting history rate-making numbers here, left and right. I mean, how does it feel for you to be inside that and see these numbers come back to you on a day-to-day basis? Well, Uh, I actually felt a little bad because,
2: I mean, I felt great about the sellout and the first ever same-day sellout in Vegas for wrestling ever. But I actually felt a little bad because there's this soundbite of me the night before talking about the pre-sale code where I said, uh, and I can almost guarantee you'll all get tickets. And I was just excited, and I'm so glad I said almost, because I did not anticipate, I was getting the live box office updates from our market rep, and mm-hmm. I did not anticipate 43,000 people signing in with a pre-sale code. So if we put that into a little bit of perspective, most fans don't just buy a single ticket. Um, and if you scrub out some of the maybe scalpers and you scrub out some of the troll accounts or the burners or whatever we call them, Still, let's say that was only thirty thousand. Again, most fans don't buy a single ticket. It just was really flattering and eye-opening, and uh, I think I think it's maybe you know something we're looking at in the future. Um, you know, we we want to run within our means, um, but maybe our means are a little bit more than I
0: yeah no no, that's that's kind of my follow-up question here is you know seeing i mean all in sold out and what less than half an hour we got double or nothing here in four minutes the numbers keep ticking down and the tickets keep going up i mean is this making you adjust your future plans are you looking for a bigger venue here in jacksonville for the follow-up show um because
2: the jacksonville show uh has a a strong charity element and Nobody at AEW is looking at the gate going, ah, oh, we won't, it's not about making money. It's about, um, you know, helping the, the victims of gun violence and those affected by it. And that charity hopefully will be able to announce soon that partnership really. Uh, so that one, I'm not sure if we're, we're looking at, I think maybe more down the road, you know, to be frank, I have a couple site visits in the next few weeks that are our stadium, so it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. There's no promises. There's no contracts. Nothing like that. It's just, you know, me and my business partners checking out a few spots, and that would be really exciting. It really, I mean, that would be a dream come true, man. Um, to to have over forty thousand plus, you know, when you get between that forty to eighty range that a, that a WrestleMania like event has. That uh, a Super Bowl event like has, I know that's probably, I don't know if those are similar numbers, so forgive me. But that's, uh, that's some special. But I know that we don't want to. Uh, we we really we really got to do this right. We've got to we've got to crawl before we walk, and we've got to walk before we run. And um, you've seen companies that have a lot of financial backing uh, take shots that they shouldn't take. So we're just you know, try, trying to be careful. We, I think people think, oh, well, there's four wrestlers running this thing, and then just there's Tony. He's the only one. And I don't think they realize Tony has flanked his companies, all of his companies, with very smart people. Yeah. Uh, some of the people who have been on loan to us from the Jacksonville Jaguars are phenomenal and just top of their field. And the the, the money um, financial strategy, BP of financial strategy – that guy is not letting us spend any money that we that we don't have a right to. So it's, we're being very careful, very careful.
0: Okay. And, and uh, you know, you talk about how you're – that's really cool to hear you're looking at stadiums. I will say Soldier Field here in Chicago, right up on the lake. It's beautiful. They can't run Mania here. It would be way too cold. Just saying. Um, but how many shows do you guys think you'll be what, running in 2019? What month, what? what month would you run Soldier Field in? Uh, me, man, you know, right after the summer is usually pretty nice. You know, September, October area is usually beautiful out uh, here in Chicago. You know, you were here for all in. That was when September was. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What was your next question? Thank you. Uh, my question was how many how many shows do you think you guys could be uh running here in twenty nineteen? What's your what's your over under? Uh, twenty nineteen.
2: It all it all depends. There's there's some uh large variables that we're talking about and, and uh, the idea though, I don't think I'm speaking too far out. The idea though is this is a, a full full company. Now its business model might be different from pro wrestling as, as a whole, but this is a full company. so we'd like to run uh, many shows you know and right now we, we have double or nothing on the book. And we have uh, the, the Jacksonville show will follow, um, you know, sometime swiftly but behind it. Other than that, I can't I, I, I ruin I'd ruin announcements that are <laughs> that are yet to come if I said any more.
0: OK, uh, do you want to give any update or talk about how where you guys are in the process of landing a TV deal? That's one of the most buzziest things that we get traffic for on the site right now is, you know, where are you guys going to wind up on TV on the dial?
2: So I, I I can't necessarily I can't talk about it but I know that I was quoted as saying not by you guys I was quoted as saying a TV deal is not important and I think I really in the context I was speaking was talking about how important social media and 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 you know do it yourself brands are compared to the traditional TV medium but I also you know let, let's be serious uh, major TV is is a huge thing. Um, And it would be a, it would be a massive shift in the pro wrestling industry. Um, It would be a change the world like move. So I can't talk about uh, any picking TV deals. Um, You know, people, a lot of the information that's out there is very accurate about, about what we, what what we're seeking to do and how frequently we're seeking to do it. But uh, I don't want to discourage any future, any future partners. I can say that, People have been really calculated about how we roll out announcements. We want to be proper. You know, we can't just stay all, we can't just stand on the podium in Jacksonville and say, hey, here's the entire business model. Here's all of our plans. Here's sure. X amount of money. We can't do that. I know the business of the business is very entertaining, but I think if people uh, put their trust in us like they have, we won't let them down.
0: Uh, and well you have it so far and you talk about how you put your trust in the cons and the great team they've, they've put around you uh, I don't know how many of those people are wrestling people but I do know that your first producer your head coach is Billy Gunn uh talk to me about why you <laughs> right yeah no I talked to Billy like last week or so he's promoting yeah. his party he's very nice uh I know he's very well liked but why Billy why was he your your cornerstone here of backstage wrestling people that's a great question I mean Billy
2: Billy's accolades you know, they really speak for themselves. Billy was also part of all in, and there was a lot of people at all in behind the scenes. Tommy dreamer was another one. Yeah. There was a lot of people at all in that were really helpful in a sense that they gave us a bit of an old school outlook, but they, they were fully understanding of what the, the product is. Now we cannot go backwards. And some fans I understand if they love traditional wrestling, how it was done in the territories and, and, and that, um, I guess that old school psychology, I totally understand that. And all that footage and all that history is available to you to watch and love. But the stuff that is entertaining people today isn't necessarily that there's definitely things we can pluck from the past and use and put them out there. And the, you know, what's old is new. But Billy has that really, like, he's, he's got a foot in both worlds. And when we look at our coaches and who, who we might have as potential coaches, you know, because we're not going to flood the room or, or bloat the budget with 40 coaches. It's going to be limited, um, very limited. But when we look at those coaches, we want them to be understanding of what wrestling is today with the insight on what it was yesterday and combine both um especially when you're trying to present a sport centric pro wrestling show which is the mission um and and trend trend toward you know sports itself yeah
0: you know i I, I haven't got it confirmed but it does look like arn anderson is no longer with the wwe is he somebody you could see as maybe a, a coach uh, for aew
3: you know i don't
2: I, I can't say I can't really speak to that only because I don't know if that's confirmed or not, but that yeah. would really shock me. me um, yeah. If Arn would actually let go, because Arn is responsible for every current top guy um, at the WWE. Seth Rollins, yes. Uh, John Cena, yes. Uh, Charlotte, yeah. Like, I, it's all Arn. So, why the hell would that's like that's some that's wild i can't i think that might be i'm waiting for somebody to debunk this story um gosh because arn man i you know i put a post out about him earlier just because i was feeling emotional i'm an emotional guy but you know arn is definitely not corporate um and that's a compliment you can't take wrestling people out of wrestling you can't um so hopefully it's not true um he would be valuable anywhere he went, whether that was staying at WWE, uh, at the Performance Center, at an independent show with 20 people, uh, at New Japan Pro Wrestling, at Ring of Honor, at AEW, wherever he goes, uh, he'd be he'd be valuable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I Yeah, again, I, I actually, I think I will have this confirmed one way or another tonight, so I'll tell you, uh, watchwrestlinginc.com. I think I will have an update on that. Um, now, when I talked to Billy last week, though, uh, I asked him about uh, scouting talent. What you guys are looking for? He said he's just kind of wrapping his mind around the idea of scouting talent. But I know you and the Bucks. You guys have been out yep. there, Hangman. Hey, you guys scout talent. What do you look for right now when looking for talent for AEW?
2: Well, one of the things I really like about Billy is that uh, he asked, uh, you know, he asked the the executive vice presidents all together what what are we looking for? Yeah, and we were able we were able to say like, okay, this is this is what we're looking for. Everyone's looking for something different. You know, there's four of us. I know that shocks everybody, but I think it's a good thing. But for me, the the number one thing I look for is a hard worker. You'd be surprised at how many fake wrestlers there are in wrestling. Guys that wrestle, you know, two weekends a month, then they go out with the boys and they think they're a rock star, but they're not. Wrestling is a, is a touring is a touring show. You should, you, you got to be getting your reps in. you got to be in front of an audience on a pretty regular basis to, to understand, oh, they liked what I did ah, and they didn't like that. So I, that's the thing I look for most. And I'll give you an example of someone that you might look at and go, are you kidding me, Joey Janela, yeah. Joey Janela is somebody that isn't, he's not Lex Luger. In his appearance, by any means, uh, but that doesn't matter. Uh, What matters to me about Joey is he's constantly trying to entertain his fans, his base. He's not trying to entertain everybody, he's trying to entertain his base. And he's trying to, he's just constantly thinking wrestling. That's how all the guys who are successful in wrestling are. They're doing their interviews in in their mirror, they're doing interviews in their car, They're, 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 they're just constantly talking about it, and that's the thing. Me, Matt, Nick, and Kenny, I feel like that's the thing that we love the most. How does this even work? We're able to just talk about what we love, and that involves, you know, a wrestling ring and a live crowd. Um, so the biggest thing I look for, I can't speak to those guys, is hard workers, and I'm looking for hard workers who have not been oversaturated. I don't. I, I love folks that we've seen, but we can't just say, "Hey, X WWE." Bam! Here's a contract. We—it's more about the fresh. It's more about the individual who's not got the call yet that we can start, and they can grow up in our in our company and in front of people's eyes. That's really exciting, and that's a huge responsibility. We have a big responsibility to these guys. Yeah, so yeah. I always thought it was ridiculous that if a part-time guy came in with WWE and he worked with another part-time guy, no, it's supposed to be—you're supposed to bring bring them up reach your hand down there and grab them, you know? And I know that's not always the case, and I don't want to say anything negative about WWE for sure. But what I'm, what I'm getting at here is that the, the, that's a big responsibility is to build characters that engage with the audience. And that is the number one thing I'm most excited about is these young guys and girls that we can build.
0: There's a guy uh, within the past hour, I know you don't want to uh, say, well, they're a WWE guy, that gives them cachet, but uh, I, I think that you are sure. friendly with Ty Dillinger, and it was confirmed by WWE uh, about an hour ago. He has uh, been granted his release, his 90-day compete non-compete clause. Looks like it would come up like two days before Double or Nothing. Um, you, you <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about your relationship with Ty? Isn't it? Yeah, I didn't know if you knew that or not. But uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your relationship with Ty? And, you know, is he somebody that is not just a WWE guy that you could see actually growing on the AEW roster if given the chance?
2: Well, I have a lot of respect for Ty because that poor dude, when I got to OVW, I had about maybe three months of wrestling experience. And was given a WWE contract solely because I was Dusty's son, uh, and they slapped me with him as a tag partner. And he was just so technically sound and and, and ahead of me, and he never he never once looked at me as a, a new nu- nuisance. He he was able to you know disguise my weaknesses and accentuate my strengths. So I have a lot of I mean we're friends. Uh, and I have a lot of love and respect for him. And I have a lot of respect for how he departed by putting his statement out and, and and thanking WWE for their time. But, you know, he's an artist. There's You can't put a dollar figure on 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 how you play your music, man. You can't. Um, that's what fills our souls. For the most part, there's plenty of guys that do it for the money, but there's way more guys who do it for that reaction. When they're in the ring, that one night that it happens, or or if you can have it, have it happen on a regular basis. So I am, uh, if that's true, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him and I'll, I'll loan him whatever resources I have. Cause I did learn a lot in my independent run and my time with bring of honor. My time with new Japan, uh, I definitely loan him whatever resources I have to help him, uh, help him on his way. Cause I know he loves the industry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, two, two, Thanks, things, sorry,
2: quick, right. we just, uh, we just have to wrap if that's okay.
0: That's fine. I got, I'll do one last question then, uh, Cody for you. Uh, this is kind of maybe a forward, yeah. uh, a long-term thinking thing, but it's just something I wanted to ask you about. Cause I haven't heard anybody else ask you about it. You know, you guys are growing so rapidly. You obviously have an investment in younger upcoming talent. Do you have any interest in doing kind of an AEW training center or training program kind of like WWE does at some point?
2: You know, I have access to a really good facility here in Atlanta. Another pitch, guys. <laughs> Another pitch for the offices to be near Cody's house. Um, <laughs> I have a, I have a really good facility. That's uh, the One Fall Power Factory. That um, that my, uh, you know, the AEW coordinator Mike. He he also is the coach there. I think I wouldn't. It would be a long shot to do a. a system versus maybe um, maybe some sponsored trainees instead okay. um, where they could go for to different schools Be, because that to me was always people don't talk about how great OVW was near enough because we didn't have four rings and Shawn Michaels teaching us but we also we also weren't told we had to love wrestling. You learned to love wrestling. You found like-minded people to go to the gym with. Um, you watched wrestling with your friends. You weren't, you know, you weren't having to do these kind of, I, I don't know, you weren't just checking boxes. Not that that's what they do, but that, that's why I like the idea of maybe some sponsored trainees instead. You know, here's four guys. Uh, and I know Matt Jackson, uh, has talked about doing something similar with OWE in China about maybe a bit of a, you know, trainee, uh, exchange and that's something he can speak to, but yeah, I think maybe sponsored trainees more than a full-time center. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves.
0: Cool. Hey Cody, I want to thank you very much for the time. Uh, I was at all in, I was in Jacksonville. I'll be in Vegas for double or nothing. You guys are doing great work. Thank, thank you for doing this work, Cody, and actually taking the shot. It means a lot. To me, and I know the whole rest of the, the wrestling community. Is there anything else you want to leave everybody else uh, with here today on the show?
2: No, man. I'm a wrestling. I'm a wrestling fan myself, so I agree with you fully. I don't. I uh, I appreciate you saying thank you, but uh, this doesn't work. No one's in the seats, and you guys have all. You guys have continued to fill the seats, so I'm just looking forward to Vegas.
0: My guest at this time is a former WWE Intercontinental Champion. He's going to face his brother, Cody Rhodes, this Saturday night at AEW's Double or Nothing. It is Dustin Rhodes. Dustin, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. What's going on, Nick? I am, Well, you're going on. You're the belle of the ball at this uh, at the moment. How does it feel to, to be away uh, from WWE at the moment and out there doing your own thing with your brother? Well, it feels good. First of all, to be away from the WWE and out on my own doing what I want to do,
4: so uh, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to this this weekend, man. I've trained hard for it, worked my butt off, got in good good shape. Probably the best shape I've ever been in since high school, man. I mean, I'm I'm uh, feeling really good. This to me is in my 31 years in the business, the most important night of my life. And and I, I really do mean that. It, it is that important to me. I am that excited, that nervous, that every, everything that goes with it is, is very special for me. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, buddy.
0: Now, your brother has hyped this match is uh, less of a brother versus brother encounter and more of a generation versus generation encounter. Do you Do you feel the same way about it going into it?
4: Well, you know, Cody's going to say what he wants to say. He he likes to, he's an egotistical little son of a bitch. And that's what he does. There's a 16 year age difference in, in us. And we were raised very, very different, uh, different mothers. And personally, you know, he, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, but I was, I've been there for him. I was there for him throughout his childhood growing up. And I remember putting him on my shoulder when he was a baby, you know, and burping him and, for that split moment, for those little moments like that, you know, I, I was his protector, man. And it's it's really cool that Cody is doing what he's doing, but he's got to realize that I have a lot, a long track record with this man. And he just wants to, he hates everything about the Attitude Era. He hates everything about, my generation and i don't understand that i don't because without the old school there is no new school and and i get what he's trying to do and and i'm very proud of him for what he's doing but you cannot kill a generation you can't you can't and and definitely i am not a freaking dying horse just out in the pasture waiting to be put down and you know the the, the things he said in his interview really struck me and they They worked me over for a few days and, you know, I talked to my wife a lot about it and that's a shoot because I, I was, I was like asking myself, is he serious? Is he, is he freaking serious about this shit? You know, because he truly doesn't love his brother. I mean, does he have some hidden resentment against me or is it just, he's trying to work people up into a frenzy? I don't know, but you know, um. We're going to find out Saturday, you know, and I I just hope at the end of this, whatever happens that we hug and that that, that I can look him in the eyes and tell him, you know, I appreciate it. And no no matter what the outcome, I love you. You're my brother. And just going back to his his promo and what he said, you know, that I love my
0: brother and this and that. Really? I mean, geez, come on, man. You know know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I absolutely know what you're saying here. I mean, this this has become very personal here. You know, what do you think that uh, y'all's famous father, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, would have to say about this encounter uh, and and really just the launch of AEW overall?
4: Well, if you
0: if you take back the years that uh, I pushed for this match
4: on a uh, the the big stage of the other company. And we were denied we were denied that because we were told it wasn't good enough, it wasn't important enough to be on the big show. It uh that, that stuck with me and that pissed me off. And they were wrong. They were wrong in everything that they said. I don't care what anybody thinks or says at this point, it doesn't matter to me because this thing Saturday night, double or nothing, is my moment. This is Cody's moment. And you watch this pay per view, and I know a lot of people are, are getting this pay per view just for this because it should have happened years ago. And you know, I I, I look at that, and I look at some other old timers in the business, like say, uh, Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson was very, very, and, and this could have been the reason why we never made it on on a, a big stage, on the big stage, was. That it would never work, but you you take the Hardys, you take Owen and Brett, you know, um, you take those feuds, and they did work. They did work when you have two talented kids that can go out there. Well, not kids. He's a kid. I'm I'm the old man. But you take the two talented uh, ta- talented athletes that we are. We can make anything work. We're roads, and I'm just you know. It's like, and my my dad never said anything. He never. He never like said he was against anything, you know. You just you saw this look in his eyes, like he wasn't sure or or what have you. Like you know, we were given the match at Fastlane, and it was a shit match. I wasn't happy with it. Cody wasn't happy with it. You know, it's not what we wanted. And Dad was there, but you know, Dad was having some some health issues at that point. But you could tell he just wasn't into this. Like he was in to. Cody and I being tag team champions against the shield and him being there with his boys, you know, that was more important to him. But right now I know, I know that pops is, is grinning ear to ear. I'm very proud of Cody, proud of both his boys, but Cody's going on to do some amazing things. And AEW man is it's going to shock. It's going to open a lot of eyes and it's going to shock the world. And, and I think everybody is rushing to see what they can do to, uh, up, their, their uh, up their ratings up their entertainment value because let's face it man the, some of the, the creative team in in the other company is you know from what I've seen you know I mean you, you pitch so many ideas and things and nothing ever gets done they never take your ideas serious and then you have to bypass them and go to the boss and then when you go to the boss, Everybody else gets mad, and then they tell you to go to the riders, and it's really confusing, and it sucks when you have a really good story because you know what the hell you're doing in the business, and they won't go with it, you know, because you're not important enough, and that's that stuck with me. That stuck with me for, for a long, long time, and I'm sure it's stuck with Cody, and what he's doing right now is, is taking on the world and taking on everybody, and he's going to leave no prisoners, he's going to leave nobody I mean, everybody's going to be in, in his rear, rear view window. You know what I'm saying? He, he's Cody Rhodes, and he's out to uh, prove a point. He's Dusty son. He's got that knack of the, the entertainment and the smart, business savvy uh, sense that dad had with, with booking and running shows and creating and doing things, you know? And it's just going to be run a little bit differently. And it's very interesting because I know nothing about AEW. This is my first. Uh, step into this this new company, and I, I'm anxious to see. I mean, I've seen all the, the young bucks and the Kinneys and, of course, Jericho and Pac and, and everybody, you know, and, and some of the other, other young talent on the indie scene, and it's just really cool that you have a group of young kids, man, taking over the world right now, and everybody is scared, and they should be. Because you have you have somebody who is behind them 110% and going to give them the ball to play with, and they're going to make some magic with it. And so I, I know Dad is proud. To go back to your original question, I know I'm rambling a little bit. It's Sorry, fine. I had too much caffeine. just got out of the gym it's for fine. a second time today. I'm being stupid because I'm so nervous. But Dad's proud. I'm proud of my brother. But And if this is one last ride for me, which... It very well may be I'm going out there with a bang man and I'm going to have the most fun I've ever had. And I get to do it with my brother. And there's nothing more important to me at this, at this stage of 31 years, I could not do anything to, to top this right now. I mean, you had WrestleMania 12 kind of set me apart and on my way as the the character Goldust. Classic with Roddy Piper. And then, you know, other things happened and some some great moments in, in my, my history. And then, then the shield and the brotherhood happened, which was took place of the Roddy Piper to me personally, to be with my brother and to do that kind of stuff and with dad there ringside with us. And now there's this. So if this is the end for me, this is, it's been a hell of a ride and I'm very proud of myself. And I'm proud of Cody and everything that he's about to do. But Saturday night, I got a little more experience. I know some tricks that he doesn't, and I'm going to give it my all, man. And he's, he's not going to be prepared for this new and improved Dustin, because I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. I mean, new knees, new, everything dropped weight ready for this thing, like so focused and it's nerve wracking, you know, cause I've been out of the ring for about seven, eight months, I guess, since my uh, surgeries. And when you're out for that, that time, that, that time frame, you get nervous. But to me, I, I say to the young kids, man, if you're not nervous, you don't give a shit, you know? So it's good to be nervous. It's a good nervous and it's exciting. And, that's about all I can say about it, man. I'm gonna have some fun, and I can't wait till Saturday.
0: Well, you validated my nerves walking into this interview with you on the eve of Double or Nothing. So thank you for that. Um, you know, I, we've talked. You're talking to me a bit about you know your relationship with WWE Creative and the, the company in general. Can you walk me through a little bit about what the conversations were like with WWE as you were uh, asking to leave the company to go join your brother at, at New Rival Competition?
4: No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put anybody down man or anything like that I don't really want to go into that because that was passed and I'm not there anymore I, I asked for my release because I wanted to do things I want I wanted to have some freedom yeah and you know I was I was going nowhere at that point um you know when you're just not involved in in a storyline and you're trying to get involved in a storyline and it's 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 heartbreaking for everybody that, that, that are up there, you know, cause there's so many talent that are coming in and I know my age and I know that it's not about me anymore. I know it's about these young kids, but man, you're so, you love the business so much, you know, you love the business. And then you look at other people that are behind the scenes and you can just see that they're just miserable because they're scared to death to speak up and say anything. And that—that's got to stop, man. You have to stop being scared to say what you know. If if something is pitched to you, pitched to you, and it's a damn good angle, you know, why are you scared to go take it to the man? Yeah, I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. He's a man. You know what I mean? That's all he is. He might be our boss or, or what have you, but. He's just a man. And all you can do is say yes or no, but at least you got, got an answer. And I think my frustration was I didn't get a lot of answers. You know, I would, I would pitch something and they would say, Oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do that. You know? And then they would follow up with the next week saying, yeah, we talked about it. We're going to do it. And nothing ever happened. So you're just kind of in limbo and you're, you your hunger for the business is still there because it's in my blood. I love it, you yeah. know? And, and I think every time I've gone out there, I've performed very, very well, whether it's been for three minutes or 25 minutes. I mean, I've, I've done a great job. I haven't really had too many bad experiences and people have enjoyed me over the years. So, and as long as I still have that hunger, I want to keep doing it. You know what I mean? Until that, that hunger leaves me, I'm not going to keep creating or, or stop creating. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to keep pitching ideas because that's a, that's a lot. And it doesn't matter like what I, I would be doing, man. If, if I'm backstage doing a backstage segment, I'm going to make the best backstage segment I can. I mean, I have a I have some longevity with this character and it's amazing. And I look back on it and I'm like, holy shit, man. I mean, this thing is really stood the test of time and then some and kept on and kept on and kept on. And it's just like the people have, have come to really adore and love a Goldust character. So, uh, but me, like, leaving <clears throat> because I want to try some new things like the acting business, you know, I'm, that's another passion of mine that I want to do, and, and I'm going full board with that. But this opportunity arose with Cody. I'm stepping in because that is my first love is, is the wrestling business. And um, I'm still hungry, though. You know what I mean? And, and at 50 years old, I'm still hungry. I still want to create. I still want to do the very best at whatever it is that I can
0: do. And I still
4: have a little bit left in the tank. Now, if this is it for me, this is, you know, it's going to be a damn good show. And that's all I can say about that.
0: You know, it's interesting uh, that 50 number is a number that's come up in a few interviews with me recently, where I I know that's the age that a lot of wrestlers uh, aim to wrestle to. That's like a, you know, I, I think Loki, I recently interviewed, and he said he's hoping to get to 50. You know, you talk about this match with Cody here you know, saying this could be your last stand, but I mean, looking beyond him, are there any other goals you would have in AEW? Any other talent you'd want to work with? I guess.
4: Well, here's the one thing about the the whole the age thing. I mean, age is just a number. It depends on how you're feeling and things like that. But when I first broke into the business, and I'm look I look back at some of the old timers and what they put their bodies through, and then you know, a couple of years into the business, still very green looking at them and, and they come in and walk on walkers and crutches and wheelchairs. And I'm like, damn man, this is what my life is going to be like. And you start to look at it and say, I don't want, or me personally, I said, I, I don't want to end up like these guys to where I can't walk. I want to take good care of my body. And over the, over the years, I, you know, I've, I've gotten really heavy and made some bad decisions when I was in my drug and alcohol induced years. And, and and I, I got through that, you know what I mean? And I beat that and I I kept my body in shape and I'm doing the very best that I can to, to keep it healthy. But I don't want, what I don't want is to, to, to um, keep going to where I'm permanently injuring my knees and my shoulders and my neck and taking a chance on, on living in a wheelchair and not, not being able to get around and that's important to me man the, the kids today uh, what was your question again I'm well, sorry that well, is kind of
0: <laughs> no it's fine I'm enjoying everything you have to say I was just asking if beyond this match here with your brother which you said could be your last stand are there are there any other wrestling goals you'd have in AEW or talents you'd like to work with
4: sure I mean um,
0: not necessarily talents I would, I would love to work any of those
4: talents but Um, I think, I think at this point it's getting to the point to where, okay, what else can I do? I mean, I can pass all my knowledge to the younger kids and if they're willing to accept it and take it and listen, I can help them. Now I can't help them with doing 5,000 mile an hour high spots and shit like that, but I can, I can teach them how to tell stories and teach them the psychology side of the business. And that less is more sometimes, you know, and then you have to step it up sometimes. And, and uh, I'm very good at that. That That is something that, that I think our family is really good at is telling stories and, and the entertainment aspect of it. And I can help these new characters that come in. And I look at some of the new ones that are coming in and, and, and you know, I can help some already, you know, and it's just uh, if that, that, is an opportunity for me. I'd definitely consider that. I would definitely consider some, some more, uh, not, not necessarily full-time working, but you know, some, a few matches here and there or what,
3: Okay.
4: but I, I really want to focus on, on that and do my acting. You know, I think that's my next step in my career is, is my acting because, you know, there's really no age thing for the acting. I can start right now and I've already got a few behind me. And I already have experience on television for 30 years on on how to basically act. So I want to take that and then do something that's a little easier on the body. You know, acting is a lot easier on the body.
0: It can be, depending on the movie, I guess, right? Um uh you know I, I uh well, unless
4: you do unless you do all your own stunts and <laughs> stuff like that, which I don't have a problem with that as long as it's not putting me in danger.
0: Yeah, I, I think of Tom Cruise in those Mission Impossible movies like falling out of helicopters into like the sides of buildings and stuff, you know. Um Yeah, but that's
3: just nuts.
0: And Tom Cruise is a lot smaller than me, so <laughs> he's probably a little more agile. Yeah. Uh, I'm buttoned up right at the twenty-minute mark. I have a couple more questions. Do you mind if I grab you for just a couple more minutes here, uh, Dustin? Or do you have to run off? Um, you know, there was the big news this past week. AEW signed with Warner Media. They're heading to TNT. Obviously, you were a big part of the Monday Night War. What goes through your head when you see that AEW logo with the Nitro flames behind it?
4: That's pretty cool, man. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. I, um. It's been, it's been a long time, you know what I mean? It's, it's, that's my old friend, tnt TBS. So I've been there, I know. And it's, it's really cool, and it's, it's almost magical, man, that uh, we are back with TNT, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's going to be hopefully another war to where they will step up their game. And make everybody else step up their game. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's gonna it's good for the business. It's good for the business when you have competition. And everything is competition. All C V is competition. You know, you're all buying for spots, you're all buying for ratings, you're all buying for entertainment and and to leave people with oohs and ahs and what's gonna happen next week and things like that. So I'm very anxious to see how this plays out and where it goes and how it grows going to be exciting and I'm glad that I'm on this you know first AEW show man and and I'm with my brother so the door's open just got to walk in I can't wait Uh,
0: what are uh, are your expectations for you know how much content you think AEW is going to do do you think it'll just be TV or do you expect a a touring schedule as well
4: that is uh, I have no clue yeah. I mean, I I really don't. I couldn't answer that at all. I just know, you know, they they got their their uh, TV deal and TNT, and it's going to be exciting. As far as live events, I have, I have no clue. I haven't heard anything. I don't know if you guys have heard anything, and probably I'd be the last one to hear about it, anyways. Unless <laughs> sure. uh, somebody from you know Cody would actually text me and say, hey, we're going to do live event. I don't know. I haven't heard anything. So I'm looking forward to whatever. And if it's a weekly TV show, then then great. Let's do it. Okay. Let's have some fun. Let's, let's open some eyes and let's make TNT strong and, and a wrestling again, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, Sonny Kiss. Uh, I don't know. Have you had a chance to check out much of his work?
4: Yeah. And while we were just talking about you know, me helping characters and things, he popped into my mind and so, you know, so did Velveteen Dream. Those two, you know, I helped Velveteen Dream a lot with some of this stuff and he has just taken a life of its own, man. It's taken on a life of its own and he's, he's, he's going to be a huge star in the business. Sonny Kiss, I look at him and I'm like, okay, I can work with this and we can, we can uh, figure some cool stuff out and be some, you know, entertaining is, is far as they'll let you be you know with, with uh, television and let, let's see where he grows and and where he goes I, I think he's got uh, I think he has a big potential man to be very very entertaining with what he is trying to do
0: yeah uh, he's told me you were a big influence on him so like you know you talk about that pocket full of maybe a couple more matches after Cody I think that uh, I'd be very interested to see what you and Sonny Kiss could do together I feel like there's a lot of chemistry there, you know
4: I can't, I can't wait to see, see him in person, you know what I mean? And actually the all these guys in person and to, to hear these crowds react for each of these individuals, you know, individually and, and just watch them and see how they operate and see what their attitudes are and how they act because that's a big deal, man. You know, you have a bad attitude or something in the business, It's it doesn't go far. It doesn't sit well with the boys in the back that are working their ass off and – trying to trying to accomplish you know a goal and you have just just these attitudes that come in and and just kind of disrupt everything and so i'm anxious to see these kids and their attitudes and how they how they uh carry themselves you know around aew and in the business and and in this company that is theirs right now to take to the next level so it should be very interesting
0: What's it been like uh, for you seeing this kind of backstage arsenal they've put together? You know, you got Jim Ross, Arn Anderson, Billy Gunn, Jerry Lynn. I mean, uh, what do you make up of all the the producer, or the coaches and staff they've put together? I love
4: it, man. I mean, opportunity knocks. Once one door closes, another one opens. You know what I'm saying? And Arn Anderson, you know that I haven't really told a lot of people this, but I have five teachers in this business. Arn, Bobby Eaton. Larry Zabisco, Barry Wyndham, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat—those are my five teachers. And Arn knows his shit inside and outside of that ring, like crazy. Dean Malenko, same way. Yeah. Billy Gunn, Billy's going to be a great trainer. It's 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 going to be. I mean, the, the group the group of guys we have right now. I wouldn't put too many in there. I mean, you don't want too many cooks in the chick uh, in the chicken in the kitchen. <laughs> You know, um, the best is more because you get to actually work with those individuals, and you don't. Know, you know, it's it's not. You know, there's not too many produce producers. You know what I mean. And you can actually concentrate and, and focus on certain guys and, and help them through the business. And you have you have some good trainers. I mean, good good uh, coaches. Dean and Arn are unbelievable. Uh, if if they're running my match producing my match. You know, in the past, I, I've always loved that for the other company. You know what I'm saying? If they've got me, I know that this match is going to be good. When say I, I, uh, I go blank in the head with with some things that I want to try to do, and I just can't think straight. Arnold will pop something out, man, and it just fits, and he makes it make sense. That's how he does, man. And and Dean Malenko is incredible for especially the like the tag teams and the smaller guys and stuff like that. It's its going to be incredible, man. I cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited, so pumped for this weekend. Yeah,
0: uh, I'll wrap it up here. I wanted to ask you, you know, you're obviously so known uh, as the Goldust character with the face paint. You've decided to keep the face paint here uh, going into to double or nothing. Talk to me a little bit about this design and maybe any symbolism uh, behind it.
4: I don't know. Am I going to be in paint or not?
0: I don't know. You're on the poster with paint.
4: Yeah, I'm on the poster with paint, but uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't tell you any of that, but I tell you what, when I did that
0: interview okay.
4: and I painted my face, it's just like, it, it is like the, the, the red and the black. To me, the red means life. The black means death. And it, it is. And then you have, so it's it's like my yin and yang. You have Dustin over here and then you have this, this other side of Dustin that you know, I need to bring back and let the world see. So it, it's going to be interesting, and that's kind of kind of why I did the the split split paint, you know, um, two face style, you know, in Batman. Mm-hmm. You got you got a couple of different characters here, so it, it's going to be fun to play with.
0: Okay, all right, well that's interesting. If I, wear paint. I yeah, I was about to say, I'm very uh, interested in the fact that you said maybe no paint. I was anticipating paint based on the poster,
4: so. Uh, I I need to make it exciting for people. You know what I mean?
0: Sure. Well, you straight up went on Twitter and told everybody to not believe the rumors that you were leaving WWE and you just straight up worked everybody a little bit there. I don't know if you recall that. Yeah, I did. I did.
4: I did. And people were mad at me, but hey, you got worked.
0: (laughs) Uh, Dustin, I really enjoyed this chat. I'm really looking forward to double or nothing in your match with your brother, Cody, uh, this weekend. Is there anything you want to uh, leave our listeners with here uh, today?
4: I just appreciate all the support and the continued support, man. I really do. I'm a humble guy and I love the business. I love everybody in the business. They're all There's my family and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, let's leave it at that.
0: That's it. Thank you. My guest at this time was most recently seen as part of AEW's Double or Nothing. He is the one, the only. It is MJF. MJF, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me here today for the Winkley.
3: God, you are so welcome. I don't know if I could have done that better myself. I mean, that's honestly that's me being humble. I could have, but it was a decent introduction. I'm proud of you.
0: Thank, thank you, MJF. You know, it's you know, you're so busy, right? You know, you live such an extravagant, opulent lifestyle. I, I mean, I'm surprised you could even find the. Uh, the time to chat with me here today so i, I really do genuinely appreciate yeah.
3: it you're absolutely not wrong uh i am tired i'm exhausted people don't understand what it's like being me and they never will uh so i'm going to try my best to uh relate to all the listeners here for uh your little news sites and uh get this over as quickly and as painlessly as possible because i'm not going to lie to you i'd rather be doing literally anything else so let's get this thing started
0: okay well i, I have to say first of all Uh, Right after Double or Nothing, uh, our website got flooded with a lot of traffic, and you were, of all the AEW talent, believe it or not, the most referenced person in our comment section on the site. So I know that our fans are very interested in what you have to say here today, MJF. And and on that note, let's start off by saying, you know, how did you initially get approached to join AEW? What was that process like for you?
3: Uh, It was a pretty easy one. I mean, uh, my best friend, my mentor, the roller coaster, the king of the crossroads, Cody Rhodes, you hit me up. He said, MJFs, uh we need the future face of the company. We need somebody that we can put this company on the back of and just ride them like a trojan. And that is moi. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was pretty simple. I had met Cody Rhodes in Canada uh, for a promotion called Alpha One Wrestling. Uh, he got to see me perform, and he instantly realized that when it comes to me, it was pretty funny. And uh, that is how the relationship started. Uh, I did all in. I obviously had the best performance on that show, doy. And uh, then, yeah, it was it was pretty simple stuff. I got hit up uh, by TK, Tony Conniff, that's no any of your listeners' heads. And uh, they sent me a nice little contract,
0: ski. Right. And so uh, how has it been uh, for you transitioning out of the independent scene to, to working for a major promotion like AEW? What is that like for you?
3: You know, it's nice to look to my left and look to my right and not have to look at a bunch of people that look like bags of milk that grew limbs. Uh, it, it's nice to be surrounded by real top-tier premier athletes. Uh, it, it's amazing. Uh, for the longest time, I had to deal with people that were uncharismatic, ugly, stupid, poor, uh, not on my level. And now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a locker room with people that, again, obviously aren't on my level, besides Cody Rhodes, but are a little bit closer. So it's a nice change of pace.
0: Okay. You know, and uh, you were at Double or Nothing, like you said, you stole the show there. But, you know, what was that experience like for you? What were some of the memories you took away from that day, whether they be backstage or, or in the ring?
3: I mean, I can tell you as far as backstage, when I was done cutting the greatest promo in the history of professional wrestling, TK and Cody Rhodes met me with a high five hugs. Uh, everybody was just so excited and so amped because uh, that moment we created history. You know, out comes Bret Hart, somebody that people would claim is the best there was, best there is, best there ever will be. And then out I come and I completely outshine him. Uh, it was an absolutely tremendous, amazing moment. I'll never forget it uh, until the day I die. It was uh, a night that everybody looked collectively uh, together and said, Oh, I know who the future of professional wrestling is. I know who the future of all elite wrestling is. It's Maxwell Jacob Freedom, the youngest and fastest rising star in the history of this great sport.
0: Now, uh, Cody has talked a lot about how, and and Tony Khan as well, how AEW isn't looking to script their promos as heavily as other companies. I I was wondering how much of what you said there to Bret Hart was in your own words. Were you responsible wholly for the promo that you you cut there?
3: Everything that comes out of my mouth is 110% authentic. That's the difference between me and every single one of these have-been losers that try to be competent, try to be anywhere near as good as me. Uh, I'm never gonna have some schmuck writer walk up to me and be like, uh, "MJF, I had this idea," you know. Uh, uh, no, I, I would I would rip the paper up, chew on it, and spit it in his face. I don't need help being me because I am the only me. I'm the only MJF there ever has been, or there ever will be. There will never be anybody like me ever again. Uh, that is because, like I said before, I am authentic. Nothing about me is is a, I'm not portraying anyone. I'm just going out there and being myself, which means automatically, right off the whip, I'm being better than everyone else you're seeing on your screen.
0: Now, when when you say you're being authentically yourself, you know, MJF, one of the things I think is, I think so many people are, are gravitated, or the reason so many people gravitate to you is you have, a, you have a realness that feels a little bit like a throwback in some ways. You know, everybody, you know, many of the wrestlers these days, they're moving a million miles per hour. You seem like a genuine storyteller. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's an accurate description? Yeah.
3: You? yeah, that's that's 110% an accurate description. When when I watch professional wrestling, I don't care for the flippy do's and the uh, strikey boys and the uh, let me run myself to death. Let me, let me out-athlete you. I don't care about that. I, I come into the ring with one sole purpose, not that is to win so I get the winner's purse, so I make more money than you. Uh, I think for some reason all these people are so concerned about showing off to the crowd, they're not concerned about winning the match. It makes me sick to my stomach. That's why I idolize guys like Roddy Piper, guys like Ric Flair, guys like uh, Tully Blanchard, guys like Arn Anderson. I, I mean, I could go on and on. Uh, Dino Hernandez. Uh, shit. I, I, literally, I, I could actually stand here all day and tell you about the wrestlers that I've gotten to watch that I have been drawn to. Uh, Buddy Landell. But the thing is, is I gravitate towards that style of wrestling. I gravitate towards when I come through the curtain, people aren't watching me because they want to see moves. They're watching me because it's me. They're watching me because the second I come through the curtain, they have no choice but to stop and stare because I have something in abundance that nobody has anymore. Sure, everybody has super kicks. Sure, everybody has brain busters. Sure, everybody has 27 different variations of a piled driver, or Canadian destroyer. But you know what nobody has anymore? It. And I was born with it. And that's why it is the reason I am going to be the only thing that people talk about when it comes to all elite wrestling. And that's why people are gravitating towards me because everyone is afraid to be a star. I'm not afraid to be a star. I just am one.
0: Now, you, uh, you did put on a heck of a performance there at Double or Nothing on the microphone in the ring, but you did come up a little bit short in the Casino Battle Royal. I mean, do you feel any kind of consolation? Nope, okay. nope. Oh.
3: nope, that is That is fake news. That is, that is absolutely not what happened. What happened was is I threw Hangman Page over the top rope, uh, and his feet hit the floor. The camera didn't catch that, by the way. I'm having my lawyers look into it right now. He then hopped back up to the apron, hit a buckshot when clearly I'd already won the match and then threw me over the top rope. Now, I don't know about you, man, but that sounds pretty illegal to me. Doesn't that sound a little illegal to you? Just real quick.
0: I, I mean, if, if it is on the surface, how you describe, you certainly have a cause for complaint, I would think.
3: Yeah. Yeah. doy. Uh, but let's, let's pretend that's not what happened, even though obviously it is because hangman page couldn't beat me. Uh, if I had both my arms tied behind my back, let's say that's not what happened. That is what I would like to call a fluke. That is a fluke victory. Uh, Everybody gets lucky every now and then. Uh, you hear about the tortoise and the hare. You know, you got this stupid, slow turtle that has absolutely no right being in a race with the athletic, amazing hare, the bunny rat, if you will. And somehow the tortoise wins. I'll tell you why the tortoise won. It was a freaking fluke. The only reason why Hayden's in page one is because of a fluke victory. He's got a bum me. I mean, this guy's obviously not going to be able to beat Chris Jericho. If he was intelligent, he would have relinquished his title shot to me so I can give the world an amazing first inaugural AEW World Heavyweight Champion. But now instead, we have to watch a guy who proclaims to be a horse, yippee, try to fight for our title? I mean, it makes me sick to my stomach.
0: Do Do you think that there would be good cause here for Adam Page to put that championship opportunity on the line in a match against you at some point then?
3: I mean, 150 million percent. Yep, Kind of a stupid question. I'm sorry. What was your name again?
0: Nick. My name is Nick. Yes. How is oh, it?
3: All right. Look, Ned, I, I, I appreciate the fact that you're trying your best here with uh, your journalistic integrity. But I think you and I both know that, yes, he absolutely should put that up for grabs for me because I am the person who should be in the match in the first place.
0: I mean, come on. What do, you, uh, what do you make of Chris Jericho's complaints uh, at the end of Double or Nothing where he feels that he's owed a, 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 a thank you from everybody for the work that he's put in and helping to launch AEW? Look,
3: Chris is a great guy. I think we can all agree on that. I happen to really like Chris. Me and Chris get along great. But here's the thing, okay? Uh, unless you're Cody Rhodes, I'm not thanking you for anything. He's not the reason I'm at the dance. He's not the reason I'm at the level I'm at right now. The only reason I'm at the level where I'm at right now is there's two reasons. Reason number one is moi. Reason number two is Cody Rhodes. That's it. So no, I'm not going to thank him. There are other guys in the locker room that absolutely should thank him. I mean, without Chris Jericho, yeah, maybe he has right to justification to say, would would we have sold out that event in under four minutes without his name? I don't know. But I could also say, would we have sold out the event without MJF's name on the bill? Hmm, I don't know. That's up for debate, too. So, you know, just call it a spade a spade here. That's all. Do I think Chris Jericho is an amazing talent? Do I think he is one of the greatest of all time? Do I think he's a certified Hall of Famer, first ballot, 110%?
0: Yes. All right. Well, let's talk a bit about your uh, your good friend Cody Rhodes here, who you've uh, mentioned several times uh, during this interview. Uh, what was your reaction? You mean my best friend,
3: Cody Rhodes? Yeah, let's talk about him. What's up?
0: Okay. What was your reaction to uh, Cody smashing uh, that Triple H-esque throne before the bout? What kind of a statement do you think he was trying to make with that?
3: I think the statement Cody was making was for himself. And if you listen to his uh, post-fight interview, uh, that was, he wasn't digging anyone. He wasn't trying to stir anything up. He wasn't trying to stir the pot. That was something he did for himself. That was a cathartic thing for him. And I respect the hell out of him. You know, A lot of people would be too afraid to make a bold statement like that. A lot of people would be too afraid to just let their emotions loose like that. Cody Rhodes bared his soul at that pay-per-view, and that's why every single person in that audience was standing at the end of his professional wrestling match and bawling their eyes out, because that's what Cody Rhodes does. He evokes emotions. He tells stories. He makes you care, just like Maxwell Jake.
0: What do you think uh, we can glean or learn from that epic bout that you were talking about between Cody and his brother Dustin at Double or Nothing?
3: Again, go right back to the throwback uh, statement that uh, we were discussing earlier. To me, I don't care how many cool moves you can do. There is nothing about professional wrestling more important than drawing in an audience emotionally. Sure, you might get an ah in there every couple of minutes. But if you can have somebody hook, line, and sinker from the first bell to the second bell, that, to me, that is the art of what we do. That is professional wrestling. That is the sweet sport, the sweet science, if you will. In professional boxing, if you can have an audience vested the whole time. In amateur wrestling, in uh, football, Uh, speaking of football, Tony Khan, my best friend, uh, and the owner of All Elite Wrestling happens to also be the owner of the Jaguars. Don't you know if he knew that? He's a really big deal. I love him. We're really close. Look, that is, what is important about professional wrestling, just like any other sport. Our job is to make the people feel bested. And Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes absolutely showed the world, the wrestling world, how important that is when it comes to not just professional wrestling, but literally any sport platform.
0: Now, the show went off the air with an explosion there with the debut of John Moxley. Uh, what was going through your head when you saw him come out, and uh, what do you think he brings to AEW?
3: Oh, uh, look. Um, let me put it this way. John Moxley is not somebody I would hang out with on the weekend for a couple drinks. He is not my cup of tea, if you will. Uh, does he have star power? Absolutely. Um, does he look like he could take a shower or two? Absolutely. But I will not deny the fact that the man uh, made a serious impact and that he was absolutely one of the main things that people were talking about after Double or Nothing. I think he brings a tremendous amount of star power to our company that already has an insane amount of star power due to guys like the Young Bucks, the guys like Kenny Omega, the guys like Cody Rose, the MJFs of the world. He absolutely fits the bill with the Chris Jericho's. And I did I say my name? I think I said my name. I Let think me you say said it again. Maxwell yeah. Friedman of mm-hmm. company, uh, and uh, I think he's absolutely going to be a vital part of our amazing promotion.
0: Now you said you wouldn't hang out with him, which I can see. But h- how about wrestling him? I mean, this is a very scary, ultra-violent man. Would you? Uh, would you look forward to about with John Moxley?
3: Um, look, you could be as ultra-violent as you want, but at the end of the day, professional wrestling has rules. Don't know if you knew about that, bud. Uh, yeah, I would love to wrestle John Moxley. I would absolutely adore to wrestle John Moxley. I think we would have a tremendous bout. I think uh, it would be, you know, fair and square. And I think uh, at the end of the day, I think you and I both know his hand would be raised. I'm not going to go there again. Sure, John's a nice guy. Don't know him that well. Don't want to stir the pot. But again. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Sure can figure out who would get the W at the end of that matchup.
0: Now he did that explosive interview with Chris Jericho a couple days after Double or Nothing. You know, what did you make of that interview uh, and his description of the the creative struggles people seem to be having over at WWE at the moment?
3: Yeah, uh, again, just like I said, uh, I have never been inside of an, of an infrastructure or a business where I have not been able to be myself, nor would I ever want to be. Uh, so I am glad. That Jonathan feels now that his artistic uh, ability to kind of let his freak flag fly and be himself is is back on, and he can and he can be the best uh, John Moxley he could possibly be.
0: You know, all the power to him. Yeah, uh, let, that's old school right there. Let your freak flag fly. I think that's a Crosby, Souls Nash and Young, Young reference, if I'm not mistaken. Um, now, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> uh, now you, uh, you have the, uh, you have access to some pretty brilliant minds right now from from pro wrestling's history in the agents and coaches backstage at AEW. Who have you enjoyed getting to know and work with uh, backstage in that capacity so far?
3: I don't really need anybody's help. Also, fuck Jerry Lynn.
0: Next question. Wow! Wait, what happened with Lynn? What did he do to to get on your bad side? He's a here? Bad
3: person. Honestly, he's just a bad person. You know, a lot of people—they're going around. They talk about how nice of a guy Jerry Lynn is. It, it's it's all it's all a mirage. It's all hearsay. It's all BS. You know, this guy—we're talking about a guy who walked up to me and he put his hand out. He goes, "Great job, kid." The sarcasm was dripping out the mouth. The arrogance was pulsating through his pores. It was disgusting. And I never want to have to make eye contact with him ever again. And guess what? I never will.
0: Wow. I've never heard anyone say a bad word about Jerry Lynn. That You are, you are literally. Well, here you go.
3: You can quote me on this. MJF says, fuck Jerry Lynn. Next question.
0: Okay. Uh, uh, well, outside of Moxley, uh, Cody, who I know you're friends with here, who are the, uh, the other talents uh, in AEW that you would look forward to getting to go into the ring and showcase your skills with?
3: I look forward to wrestling everybody in this promotion because it is a promotion filled with top stars and top-tier premier athletes. Uh, you literally cannot go wrong. That is the beauty of our roster. Um, most importantly, that's the beauty of me because if you put me on a match graphic with anybody, it's instantly a hit because everybody wants to see me wrestle. Do uh, next
0: question. Um, now uh, you had a confrontation with uh, fellow internet sensation Joey Janella at the Jacksonville rally. I was actually right there. I was oh, here we go. There. Now, uh-huh. why, why did it, why did it materialize with the two of you getting to to share, you know, or touch gloves here in a ring, so to speak?
3: Uh, here's the thing. Earlier, we discussed independent wrestling. Um, to me, the man who epitomizes independent wrestling, everything is wrong with independent wrestling, would be the bad boy, Joey Janela. Uh, his bad breath, his bad body, his bad tan, his bad hair, his bad mic skills, his bad in-ring worst. Literally, I'm going to tell you why Joey Janela attacked me. He attacked me because he is jealous. He attacked me because... There is literally not any part of his game that he can even remotely approach me on or be at the same level as me as. He could not lace my boots. He could not hold my microphone. Hell, he couldn't even successfully hold my jockstrap. Joey Janella is the bane of my existence. Joey Janela is a bug that unfortunately I have not been able to stomp out yet. But I can assure you, when that moment finally comes, that sweet, sweet moment finally comes, I am going to... Not only make sure that I beat the bad boy, I am going to
0: end the bad boy. Um, you uh, you uh, what? Do you have any plans yet, or do you have a? Uh, do you want to tease what you could possibly be doing at Fighter Fest later this month?
3: I don't believe that's any of your business, Neb. Next question.
0: All right. Well, uh, I'll wrap it up here with uh, with my last question. Uh, when I was in the scr- when I was in the scrums uh, after Double or Nothing, uh, one of my favorite quotes was uh, from Tony Khan actually talking about that. Thrown uh, spot that uh, that uh, Cody had on the show, and he said everybody in AEW is here for their own reasons, and they're trying to get their own thing out of this experience that is AEW. What what are you trying to get out of this? What do you want to get out of this experience here with AEW?
3: I want to be the face of this promotion, and I'm going to be the face of this promotion.
0: Um, there it is. Hey uh, MJF, I want to th- you. Don't do a lot of interviews. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Um, is there anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we, uh, we wrap up the interview?
3: Yeah. I mean, if you don't follow me on Twitter and Instagram, congrats, you live under a rock, but just in case, uh, the underscore MJF. My name is Maxwell Jacob Friedman. I'm better than you. And you know it, uh, uh, shit. I keep forgetting your name. What was it? It was, uh, Nick,
0: it's Nick. Ha- Nark.
3: Nick. Nip. Nip. Nick, 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 whatever, man. See you later. Bye.
0: It's me, Nick Hausman, Wrestling League's Managing Editor, and I just happen to be walking by one of the hottest pro wrestlers on the planet right now. It is none other than AEW star Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Kate hey, Orange, you know, a lot of fans out there are really enjoying your work right now on AEW Dynamite, but you haven't gotten in the ring and as physical as, you know, Chuck and Trent have. You know, why haven't we seen Orange Cassidy in there really tearing it up like the rest
2: of the roster so far? All good things
0: come to those who wait. Okay, cool. Uh, now, how was the Getting to work with uh, Trent and Chuck, you know, what kind of what kind of history did you have with these two guys before you got paired up in, uh, in AEW? I mean, I live with Chuck, so I see him all the time. Oh. What's that like? How is it like living with Chuck, too? Bad. What's, like, your biggest pet peeve about Chuck? Him. Him as a person? Yeah. Is it, like, a smell? Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Lot
0: of smell. Is it is it the drinking? Does he like have too many cocktails? Yeah. Does he have like women over and make a lot of noise in the middle of the night? And that like. Uh, just him. Right, why? Well, I, mean, I mean, like, if he's not a if, if it's just him, like, why don't you not be a roommate with him? Not. Nah. Goes somewhere? I'm good. I'm good. Well, maybe you make him go. Is he that? No. I want to change my answer. It's fine. So, uh, it's, it's you and Chuck are good roomies, fine. It's fine. Do you do you two have like a favorite thing that you guys like to do? Do you have like a board game night or like? <laughs> Well, when you're not wrestling. Um, like, what's some of your favorite hobbies? You know, obviously Darby likes to skateboard. Joey, he enjoys a white claw. Like, what do what you like outside the ring? What do you like to do more? Nothing. I just like to sit? Yes. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, I have a question about Chucky and Trent. Do they? I don't, I don't even know what that means. Yes. Great. Um... So like, do you like to go to like a pond and like watch ducks? That's that's, that's a very peaceful thing to do. Yeah. No. You like a turtle guy? No. you like a fish?
1: No. Um. Well, there's
0: been a lot of. A lot of fans out there—they're like, kind of like, uh, upset uh, about some of the ways that AEW officiating has been going recently. I mean, orange—I mean, orange. You know, you obviously you're you're getting in your shenanigans here and there. You get in the ring, you put your hands in your pockets, you know, while the ref's not looking, you'll take somebody out. I mean, do do you think AEW has a problem with their officiating? No. Just a fan of, of AEW and its officials. Um, Alright, uh, uh, final question. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of people uh, waiting to, to meet you. Um, do you see yourself as somebody that could be in the AEW world title picture? Do you, do you see yourself vying for that world championship? Probably. Wow, okay. That's, uh, that's that's nice. So you, you're ambitious about that world title. I didn't say that. You would, you would like to be world champion. I didn't say
2: that either.
0: All right. Well, hey guys. So thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, stick out again with Orch Cassie We're here at Starcast, and uh, and Orch, is there anything you want to plug, uh, promote, put over here before we wrap up the interview here at Starcast? No. So, All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. May all your Christmases be bright and merry. Thank you to the entire AEW team. You're all incredible, and it's been a joy to work with you this year. I look forward to having you all back in my backyard here for AEW Revolution in just a couple weeks. Uh, and if you like the show, guys, you want to support us, Wrestling Ink Audio over on iTunes, five-star ratings, nice comments, always appreciated. And, uh, of course, you can follow me over on Twitter. I'm at Wink Rebel. Uh, give me some love. Thank you so much for making 2019 so rewarding for me. I'll be back on the 30th, December 30th. we got one more original Winkly with new interviews to go here in the new year uh, or in 2019 before we get to the new year. So thank you all again so much. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.